Hey, it's Ian Altman. Be sure to join me in the same side selling academy where people just like you are taking their business to the next level. And the best part is through the middle of November, it's totally free. So I hope to see you in the same side selling academy. Just go to samesidesellingacademy.com. Hey, it's Ian Altman. Thanks so much for posting your positive reviews or really any reviews on iTunes and Stitcher and sharing these on social media with your friends really makes a big difference. Today's guest is Wayne Washington. Now, Wayne's got a company called Grow Company Profits, which I'm sure no one wants to do that. Um, Wayne's a guy who spent decades managing operations in the trenches. And sometimes people call him the doctor of operations, but his real proficiency is in diagnosing ailing operations and figuring out where their hidden costs are. So we're going to talk specifically about the biggest mistakes and traps that people fall into when they're trying to attain sustained growth and increased profit. And we're going to talk about the blind spots that people have, the value drains on their organization, and then how we generate this business value formula to create higher value long term. You're going to love this discussion with Wayne Washington. Wayne Washington, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Ian. I'm happy to be here. You know what? I'm happy to have you here, which is way better than either one of us being disappointed to be here. So that's great news. <laughs> I agree with that. So, Wayne, tell us something maybe surprising that people might not know about you. I think the most surprising thing people might might not know about me is I used to weigh 495 pounds. Really? And yes. people can't see you right now. And so what do you weigh now? I'm down around 230. Wow. So so half the weight and and you didn't have to remove any limbs to do that, right? No, no, no limbs at all. Because yeah, see, I, see, because I got a bunch of weight to lose, and I'm just thinking to myself, man, I'm you know taking a limb off probably isn't the right path. There's probably a smarter <laughs> way to do it. Well, when you hit a catalyst, something that you look at and you say you must change. Yep. And I had to, and I did, and I was successful. Well, wow. well, you know what? There's an inspiration right there in and of itself. But, but sadly, to, for many of our audience, they're thinking, "Man, I wish Wayne was just going to talk about that." But, um, but we've got you here for different expertise today. Yes. So, yes. one of one of the things that when when I talk to CEOs, it's very common. People say, "Look, I want sustained growth. I want I want to see my profits increase." And I'm sure you see that too. But what are the big mistakes that you see businesses make? What are the blind spots? that prevent that from happening? In my experience, Ian, there are three blind spots that I feel people usually run into, and they hit their bottom line. Number one is what I call a hidden cost. Uh, number two is what I call disengaged employees. And number three, I call unnecessary complexity. And when I say call them that, I group them all together into what I call value drains. They're draining from your bottom line, so they're taking value out of your organization. So that's what I feel the biggest make the people people have, because on top of me mentioning those three, they are really what I call stealth value drains, because they go unnoticed. People don't know they have hidden costs. They don't know they have disengaged employees. They just see the results of not things not getting done, but they don't know it's disengaged employees. Yeah. They don't question unnecessary complexity because. What they're doing is what they're used to. So these are things that most people, most organizations never see. They're stealth value drains. Okay, so I love that term, the stealth value drains. And, and of course, and I guarantee listeners are saying, yeah, yeah, okay, so we have, um, gee, we have these hidden costs. We have disengaged employees. 
unnecessary complexity. Gee, Wayne, that's all great, but how do you uncover those things, and how do you know if you have them? And by the way, I probably you know I tend to believe that every organization has these, um, but the question is, how do you spot them? Okay, and I, I think the way we talk about spotting them, Ian, is is I'm going to take a step back and look more at a bigger picture. Great. And a long long time ago, well, let me just give you an example. One of the things that um, I'm, I love to do is I love to cook. And I could cook one of two ways. I can cook to be um, to innovate or I can cook to, to impress. When I cook to innovate, I take these ingredients and I use my knowledge to come up with a dish that's pleasing. When I cook to impress, I take a start of a recipe and then I find my ingredients to make the meal. I had this aha one night. And it says, if that works in cooking, why can it not work in business? And I came up with what I call the business value formula. And what the business value formula basically is, is recipe plus resources equals results. So when I see most organizations, if they want to change their results, they focus on their resources. And the resources they focus on is manpower, materials, money, or management. They juggle those, you know, they have a new initiative or some kind of cost-saving property. They try to do supply chain things. They, they manipulate all those kind of, kind of things to get better results. Well, when I started thinking about my cooking, I start with the recipe before I start with the re- ingredients, which are, the, in our case, are, are the resources. So I look at if I'm going to focus on the recipe, what's the recipe for business? And the recipe for business to me has three components, your strategy, your culture, and your operations. And in order to, our task is to make sure our strategy, operations, and culture are in alignment. And where they're in alignment uh, is, is I I call it when you're, you're operating in the sweet spot. I'm gonna try to paint a picture of what that means. Okay. People are probably aware of of the term Venn diagrams. You have the three circles. And if you had one circle with strategy, one circle was culture, and the third circle was operations, as you look at those circles coming together, they intersect at one spot where there's a portion of all three circles. That's in the the center. That is what I call the sweet spot. There are three sections where only two of those functions overlap. And there are three other sections where only one of those functions overlap. My point being is, unless you're operating directly in the center in that sweet spot, that's where you have those value drains. That's where you have the hidden costs. That's where you have the disengaged employees. And that's where you have the unnecessary complexity. And so the bottom line is there are seven of those sections in that Venn diagram that a a company operates. Every company that exists today operates in one of those seven sections of, of that Venn diagram I just described. And because everybody has strategy, everybody has culture, and everybody has operations. And let's just be clear of what strategy is. Well, and, and by the way, let me just interject one thing, Wayne, which is, which is the, the, I guarantee there are people listening right now saying, well, I don't think we have a culture. And the only difference is everybody has a culture in their business. Mm-hmm. It's just some are intentional and some aren't. Correct. So if you don't know what your culture is and you don't have one intentionally, you've got one. Um, you just don't know what it is. The thing I also know about about culture, and we say everybody has a culture, what I call culture is is the sum total of the beliefs and behaviors your employees bring to work every day. That's your culture because that defines who you are. That defines your brand. 
Does that make sense? It, it absolutely does. So, so let me let me ask you something because you mentioned before the idea of in your business value formula, you mm-hmm. gotta, you kind of have to you realize, hey, we got to start with the recipe first. Mm-hmm. I don't want to start with the ingredients. So, what's the quote recipe when it comes to a business? Okay, and that recipe is, is has your strategy, it has your culture, and it has your operations and how. You cannot do all three of them independently. They they interdependent and they interact. So as those things interact and work together, that defines your results. So give me an example of a company and kind of where maybe they lost their way and how this alignment in between strategy, culture, and operations changes things for them. Everything that I do, everything I talk talk about, it starts at the top. Unless the CEO and his senior team are all on the same page, strategy, culture, and operating model, they're, 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 they're going to just go their own way. So my point being is the first step I do is I talk to a CEO and I get his senior team together and we get a clear understanding of what their current situation is. We identify how the current market is impacting their company. We try to define, we do define the, the degree of alignment between their culture, their strategy, and their, their operating model right now. And then we develop an action plan to align those. And in that action plan, that's how we eliminate the hidden, hidden costs, the disengaged employees, and the complexity. We have a process that we go through that, that helps, them, we helps them get there. Sure. But our first step is, in, in our first program is called Do You Qualify? After we go through all those various steps, I'm going to sit a CEO and his team and look them directly in the eye and ask them, are you ready to change your mindset? Because in order to make this successful, you have to have a, a culture of collaboration and inclusion. You know, the days of CEOs making the decisions and the senior team making decisions and everybody else does it because they say so, that's gone. You know, so we have to have a culture of collaboration and inclusion at the stop. So that's step one. Yeah. Uh, what, what we want to do to get things going. So Wayne, let me, so let me, let me ask you this. So sure. can you give me a story or an example of a company where you went in there and quickly realized that their strategy, culture, and operational model were not aligned and what that yes. looked like? Well, what it looks like when you go in there and it's not in line, you have low productivity and your work environment. It's like a high-stress work environment. Uh, deliverables are delayed. You know, you have business silos where you have Department A competing against Department B, and you have turf wars. You, you ever been to a company where they have these slogans on the wall and they have these, these coffee cups about what their values are? Sure. You see, you see that, but the people who work there every day, they don't live that. So the first thing we have to do is make sure the values that everybody brings to work every day are consistent with the values of the, of the senior management team. And that's that's an important step, but we do that. That's where the inclusion and the collaboration come, comes on, on board. So Wayne, we, let me, so, Wayne, let me ask you. Sure. Do those values then, do they come from the executive team or do they come from the organization within? Well, it's got to start with the executive team because the executive team has to model those values every day. If they don't model those values, it's not going to be carried over to the, exec, to the rest of the organization. 
So once the executive team models those values that are, that are important to them, and, and I'm talking about values are simple things. It could be things like a circle of safety, a circle of trust, respect, honesty, responsibility. I mean, these are just common, ordinary traits. So what are the values we as everyone on our senior team are going are, are to model and display? And once we do that, then we help transform that down into the organization. Well, you've been in organizations probably before, Ian, where everybody watches what the boss is doing. And if the boss is saying one thing and doing another thing, they're going to ignore that. But if the boss is, is walking his talk, people will start following through. They will start uh, going, going along with what that boss is doing. So that's the concept we try to work with. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. I had um, one of my early guests was, uh, was Robbie Richman, who mm-hmm. uh, wrote a book called The Culture Blueprint. Mm-hmm. And Robbie was the chief culture strategist at Zappos uh, for years. And one of the things that Robbie talks about, he says, look, he said, so I can come in as an executive and I can say to everybody, look, these are our values, this is our culture. And it might stick, it might not. Or I can sit with them and say, hey, what do you guys think our culture and values should be? And I can guide that discussion. And if that group of people believes that they thought of those values and they thought of that culture, they're more likely to buy into it. It kind of gets back to the, the model you talked about before, which is, if the CEO comes in and says, everyone's going to start operating this way, that's a surefire way to make sure nobody operates right, that way. Right, right. I, I, Let me give you a story that how this whole thing got started for me. Uh, years ago, I used to work at Mead Johnson here in Evansville, Indiana. Yep. And they had a reorganization in our department. And I was in the maintenance department. And they gave me all the buildings, all the equipment, everything but infrastructure. But they also gave me the most senior people in the department, people between 50 and 65 years old. And the idea of change was not very friendly for them. So what we feel we had to do, how do we get change into an established work group? So the, the biggest thing we, we, we did, Ian, is we found who are the leaders uh, in, our, in that workforce, that senior workforce. And we got them together and we helped, had them help put together what we'll call a set of working agreements. And this is the way we're going to work with each other. This is the way we're going to treat each other. This is the way we're going to act as, as we're here at a, at a workplace. And every, by the time it was all said and done, every member in the department signed that agreement and we lived that way from there on. So that was the basis of, of what I did. This is back in 1994. That, that's great. It reminds me of um, so years ago, I actually served as president of a country club, and mm-hmm. I happened to do it at a time where I had sold my prior business. It was before I started this business, and we had a general manager leave, and there were as we were hiring the new general manager, there were all sorts of little service issues that were coming up. And the prior mm-hmm. general manager would, would say to the service staff, well, you have to do this, and you have to get drinks to people's tables faster, and you have to take their orders faster, and like we just kind of direct people and nothing would happen. And mm-hmm. so – when I came in, I, um, I I pulled the whole service staff together and I said, "So guys, let me let me ask you: If you were a member here, what are the three things that we could do that would make the experience better for you?" So imagine if you're a member, you come in with your family. What what are the things that would be meaningful? And the people on the staff said, "Well, you know, what would be great is you know they they probably want to make sure they get their drink fast. Really, how fast?" 
Well, I mean, fast. Well, the problem is we can't measure fast. So, mm-hmm. like, from the time someone sits down, how long should it be? Well, like, three minutes. Okay, so three minutes. Everyone think that's reasonable? Yeah, okay. So let's do three minutes. And we would literally mock, you know, mock run that and say, was well, three minutes that the right amount of time? Oh, it could be four minutes? All right, great. And then, so if they're here with the family, yeah, and then we could ask them if they want their kids' meals to come out first because then they can go to the game room. Okay, what else? And so what would happen is they came up with a list of three that everyone agreed to. And I said, great, so... That's what we're going to measure now. We're going to measure that, guys. And and let's see how that goes. Well, the cool part was that they all embraced that. And two weeks later, that was just automatic for them. So then I got everyone together and said, wow, we did those three and people love it. What other three things should we be doing? And guess what? Everyone came up with another three. And then we implemented <laughs> those three. And guess what? If I had told everyone, look, we're going to change 15 things, no one would have said it was possible. But we changed three things at a time over, you know, over a 10-week period every two weeks, and it transformed the service level. And everyone said, man, how would you do that? I'm like, well, I just asked the people here. They, they knew what needed to be done. Mm-hmm. They just didn't want to be told it. You know, Ian, when you, when you say that, that same concept can apply to when you look at the second pillar when I talk about strategy. You know, a lot of companies develop strategy in a vacuum. They look at, they take their senior team, they go on a retreat, and they, they have these, these, uh, all these fancy consultants come in to help them develop a strategy. But usually that strategy sits in a book forever and ever. What I have found is who's the best people to get involved in the strategy is your front line. They know what the customer's saying. They know what the customer wants. So what we have tried to think about is come up with a concept called co-creator strategy, where your front line, your mid-managers, and your uh, senior manager, they work together, collaborate to develop a strategy because if the front line knows exactly what that strategy is, where you're trying to head, they can make on-the-fly adjustments. So that's another part of that process of getting rid of those value drains I talked about is getting everybody involved in the strategy. So you have a culture that people are involved in, you have a strategy that people are involved in developing, and then you get those same people involved in developing your operating model. And an operating model is nothing more than what I'm going to do, when am I going to do it, who's going to do it, and how I'm going to do it. So these people on the front line know exactly it's the best way to do that. But too many times I have found companies that make those decisions from the top or make those decisions without getting any input from the bottom. And they wonder why it doesn't work. They wonder why their, their, projections, their, their projections aren't reached. So, I mean, that's, that's what I have found from my experience. Yep. No, I mean, that's... That's great. So now, so when you're coming in, you're working with these organizations, and mm-hmm. you're trying to build that alignment. Mm-hmm. You're trying to create that perfect sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the things that prevent people from getting those results? The biggest thing, as I think I started saying earlier, is their mindset. I mean, if an organization is not willing to change that mindset, it's going to be hard to make to make that transition. If you still want to adopt the, I'm going to tell you how to do your job every day. You want to take that mentality, you're not going to make it happen. So mindset is number one. The second thing I think that I've found as as um, a resistance is you, people have to start learning how to measure outcomes. There's a, a Peter Drucker quote, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And I firmly believe that. And I think I see too many operations that don't measure uh, their outcomes, so they have no idea what to expect. What to expect. They're not inspecting what they expect. Um, so they're the, the biggest uh, things I've, I've come across. And the last thing I think in that area, uh, uh, I would think, is 
measuring your progress. I mean, how do we make sure we're going from step one to step two to step three? So if we look at those three things, changing that mindset, that's a roadblock for the mindset, measuring the outcomes, making sure we're measuring the things we need to do, and monitoring progress, how do we make sure we're, we're always getting better? So I think that those are three things I would, I, would, I would answer to you, Ian. No, that's great. So, so if you're somebody, if you're an organization mm-hmm. and you're a CEO, listen to this, and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I got to get that alignment between my strategy, between my culture, and between my operational model. Mm-hmm. What's the first thing they should do if they want to start making that happen? Like, you know, what? How can they? Because if you're telling me the biggest limitation is mindset, I'm guessing the first thing they need to do is shift that mindset. So, yes. how do they make that happen? Well. I think when I when I talked about before, you have a concept of collaboration and inclusion. That's what that mindset has to change to. How do I get more people involved in the process of deciding what we're going to do? I mean, I, I guess I've I've come to the concept: you're either going to collaborate, or over time, you're going to die because you're going to take that that stoic mindset, and it, it's it's not going to get the results you want, and the marketplace is going to leave you behind. So that's how we got to change that mindset, and if People are not willing to make that change, Ian. I don't, I don't, I don't know how they make it happen because they cannot do it on their own. And that's those people who don't qualify, and it's probably a message right. our politicians can learn. <laughs> Very much so. Very much so. And we so, won't even go to that subject. Exactly. So, so Wayne, what's the what's the best way for people to learn more about what you're doing and to contact you? Okay, um, I have a website, and it's called GrowCompanyProfits.com. And my, I, have, I have an email address there. And try, tell you the truth, one of the things that we try to do for those people who are serious, and when you come to my website, I offer what is called a, a half an hour alignment consultation. We'll get on the phone. I'll ask you some questions about your, how you're using your resources now. We'll try to find out where you are right now from an alignment standpoint. And in doing that, you can kind of feel what your starting point is and what are some of the things you might want to change and modify. So that's that's. GrowCompanyProfits.com. That's great. And we'll have all that linked up in the show notes. And um, this way people have a good resource. They can um, they can learn more and uh, be in touch with you. So, Wayne, I think this is great. I think having having this framework, that visual, the Venn diagram, I, I always love when people can paint a picture um, mm-hmm. without any visuals. I think that's magic. So uh, uh, hopefully people will steer their way to your website, take advantage of that assessment, and see how you can help them. So I appreciate you for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you very much. I enjoyed being here. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information I think you can use and apply in your business right away. First, I love how Wayne talks about this concept of value drains and the three blind spots being hidden costs, disengaged employees, and unnecessary complexity. And that unnecessary complexity is a lot of times something we see in sales organizations where they make things more complex than it needs to be. And then his business value formula is, look, start with the recipe first. I love that story he tells about cooking. And look, you start with the recipe, not with the ingredients. And the recipe is strategy, culture, and an operational model. And I think if you build just on those models alone and make sure that you're not the rate-limiting factor in your own head, you can achieve remarkable success. Remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener, So if there's a guest you want me to have on, if there's a topic you want me to cover, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everyone can embrace, even your customer.